Hello and welcome back to livealittlehigher.com. Today we read Parashah Vaigash, where the saga of Yosef and his brothers is coming to a, to a climax. And we know that in the last parasha, Judah was crying to Yosef to please keep him and let his little brother Benjamin go to his father, uh, as we know. Yosef uh, had placed uh, his silver goblet in Benjamin's backpack to, um, to see if the brothers would react in a good way. He was putting them to the test so they would do teshuvah, so they would uh, repent and go back to their essence. He was giving them the chance to redeem themselves. And that's where we left. And then this, this parasha, Vaigash, which means and uh, appeared, approached, I'm sorry, and he approached, and it starts, Vaigash, approached, he approached. Uh, it, it comes to a climax in which Yosef reveals himself to the brothers and he tells them who he is. And we see from the story of Joseph and his brothers, brothers in this, specifically this parasha, uh, that we see that Judah's dedication to protecting Benjamin and his remorse for wishing to harm Joseph so many years ago. So we see that these brothers come to, to, to do a full teshuvah, they return, they repent, and there's a many, many, many tears going on in this parasha. There's a lot of crying, a lot of weeping. It's very intense and it's very emotional. And, um, and we see that from here we learn that tears have contained in themselves a big secret. And uh, in the parashas, in the Torah, the Rebbe says we're living with the times. Like the, the parasha of the week is really very relevant to the week and to our own personal lives. And we see that, the, the, that there are several types of weeping in the Torah. And, uh, and what's the mystery of these tears? And when we cry in our daily lives, what is the mystery of our tears? What is uh, appropriate crying and what is not appropriate crying? What it comes really from a place of strength and what comes from a place of weakness? So Rabbi Itzhak Ginsberg in his book, The Inner Dimension, in which he gives um, the mystical interpretations to the Torah portion, he says that this is not the first time that we read that Joseph is weeping and it's not the last. A few verses later we read that Joseph fell upon Benjamin's neck when he revealed himself to the brothers and he wept and he wept on his neck and he kissed all his brothers and he wept on them. And then when he meets his father, when the father is brought down to Egypt, the father starts saying the Shema and what is Joseph doing? He's crying. So in Egypt, Joseph was famed for his great wisdom. He was a very strong person. He was the viceroy of Egypt. He's well known as the master of his emotions. He, he has an, a tremendous amount of self-control and, um, and strength. But nevertheless, we see that he's not a man that contains his, uh, his emotions when he's feeling for others. 
when he's feeling empathy or, or pain for other people, he, he doesn't contain his emotions. He's able, he's able to release them. He's able to bring them out. And we know that little boys, since they're born, they teach them, don't cry. Crying is not for men. Crying is for women. It's as, you're a sissy if you're crying, whatever. I remember when I was growing up, like my, my cousins would fall down and hurt themselves and they were crying because it was painful to them. And the response was, hey, you, you cannot cry, you're a boy. But he was in pain. So, so we see here that in Egypt, Joseph was famed for his great wisdom. He governed the land, he fed the world, he was the viceroy of Egypt, who was the greatest leader of the times. And, uh, and one might imagine that such a person would never cry, that he's, he's a man, you know, he would be able to contain himself. But we see very clearly from this parasha uh, that the, there's instance after instance after instance where the parasha is showing us the vulnerability of Joseph and his, his ability to be able to be human and to feel. And, um, and we see here Rabbi Yitzhak Ginsberg says, is weeping merely a release of pent up emotions or does it signify something more? So we see here that, um, that the Torah has different uh, situations. It talks about different instances in which people cry. Uh, it emphasizes it. And we know that everything that is in the Torah is, is, is precisely there for a, for a reason. Hashem doesn't put more words than necessary in the Torah. He puts exactly what he needs to convey. And so the first instance in the whole Torah where we hear about somebody weeping is when Hagar, who was Sarah's handsmaid, was taken out of her house. When Sarah said to Abraham, you know, this is enough. They had a child together. It was Ishmael. Ishmael was the son of Hagar and Abraham. And this boy had grown up to be um, a, a problem in the house. He used to hurt Isaac, and Sarah was fed up with it. And she said to the husband, you have to take them out of the house. Hashem said to Abraham, you have to hear your wife. And so she was banished from Abraham's house. And she wandered through the, through the desert, through the wilderness. And we know that the, the water that they were carrying ran out. And so we know from this instance that the boy was dying from, uh, he was dehydrated and he was completely feverish and he was dying and she couldn't see that her son was dying. So she went away, she hid herself in a corner and she started to weep. And so Hagar's weeping has an expression of despair. So here the Torah, uh, the inner dimension of the Torah explains that the impure uh, there's impurity in the world, and when we cry because we're de desperate, where where we are, we have despair. This is not a good cry, because uh, when you cry from despair, this means that you don't have bitachon, you don't trust Hashem, and this is a lack of faith. This is a lack of of uh, of, 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 of 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 trusting Hashem, and we have to build up our trust in Hashem. So the next cry in the Torah we hear was Abraham's cry when Sarah, our foremother, Sarah Imenu passed away. And the Torah says, uh, the, the, his, the, the Torah says that Abraham wept. 
that he cried. Abraham came and eulogized Sarah and wept for her. And, um, and we, we see that he's weeping for his wife, for the loss of his wife. And here, Rabbi Ginsberg explains that Jewish law encourages people to cry when someone passes from this world. Like it would be inhuman not to cry when you lost someone you loved. Obviously, we're all gonna go away. Obviously, the person is gonna go to a better place. They're better than us. We understand all this. But the, 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 the fact that we're gonna miss the person we love, the fact that that person is not with us anymore, we cannot hug them, we cannot talk to them, we cannot be presently with them, is a reason to cry. It would be not normal if someone loses a loved one and doesn't cry. So he says that the mourner's tears express respect for the deceased and, and, and stimulate emotional healing for the bereaved. So you know, when you love, you cry for a loved one that you don't have with you anymore, that means that you miss them. It, it gives respect to the deceased. It, it means, you know what, I loved you. I loved you, I miss you. So on the other hand, also this type of weeping cleanses the soul and it helps the person get well. So when a loved one passes away, it is not a time for resolutely holding back tears. This is not the normal approach. The normal approach is that we should cry. You know, we should cry, cry our hearts out. The more you cry, the better you'll be. And the third person to weep in the Torah was Asa. When he learned that Jacob had been the recipient of his blessing, when Isaac gave his blessing to his brother, and it says, Esau raised his voice and he wept. And again here, the weeping of, um, of Asaph is not a healthy weeping because it's a weeping that comes out of despair and, um, and, 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 and anger. And this is not a proper weeping. This is not a rectified weeping. And uh, again, we learn that despair is not a good midot. Um, it's not a good thing to feel. We have to work on our emunah and our bitahon, our faith and our trust in Hashem that we don't cry for despair because we're desperate. And so it, it, it is the next appearance, weeping swings back to the side of holiness. When Jacob met Rahel, Rachel, he raised his voice and he wept. And this is a new form of weeping that is shown in the Torah. It has never been seen before. And in each of the three previous examples, weeping was related to some type of loss. It was either because they were almost gonna die because there was no water. The other one was uh, a, that we see that, um, that uh, Abraham was eulogizing his wife, he lost his wife, and then we see Asaph who lost his blessing. But this weeping that the Torah is talking about when, when um, Yaakov met Rachel is a, is a different type of we weeping. And this type of weeping is a, a weeping of, of joy. And so sometimes we, 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 we cry because we're happy, we're joyful. And you know, this poor Jacob, he had left his family, he was running away from his brother, he felt they were gonna kill him, and he had nothing because he had been, everything he owned had been stolen from him. And once he came to the land of uh, Haran and he met his cousin, Rachel, and he hugged her and he kissed her and he cried, was a cry of, 
oh, I came home. You know, there's someone I know. There's someone here that is part of my of me. She's my family. And so it was a, a weeping of relief. And so that we see here that that there's another weeping in the Torah where uh, Leah cried so much that the Torah describes that her eyes were, were fallen. They were whooping eyes that she had cried so much because and her eyes fell down. So the, they became soft. And so this type of weeping really changed her this destiny because she was supposed to marry Asaph and she was beyond herself with this. How can I marry this guy? Like there's no way in the world, please Hashem, please Hashem, don't let me end up being his wife, save me, save me. And she cried so much that she really was able to change her destiny. So, so we see from all this weeping that there's appropriate weeping and there's not appropriate weeping. When we're confronted in times of despair, of, 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 of uncertainty, where we get scared, it's not a time to cry. It's a time to do teshuvah, connect to Hashem, do more mitzvot, do good things. You know, if nothing changes, nothing changes. It's a, it, it, you have to see it like an opportunity of growth. Every time you're challenged, every time you're put to the test, you have to look at it like, okay, Hashem is asking for something from me here. He's asking something from me here. I have to do something, something he needs me to do. And so we see here that, uh, that, that we also see that Jacob wept when he believed that jo Joseph had died, that he had been devoured by an animal. As the, state, as the verse states, his father wept for him. Alternatively, according to Rashi, it was Isaac, Jacob's father, who was still alive when Joseph was sold into slavery, who wept in symphony, sympathy with Jacob's pain. Isaac knew by prophecy that uh, Joseph was still alive, but he was not crying because he was desperate. He was crying because he had empathy with his son, Jacob, who didn't know that the, that the son was alive. And because he became sad, he lost prophecy. He couldn't see that his son was alive and he couldn't tell him. So we see that there's different types of crying. There's crying because we feel for someone else too, because we see someone that is going through a hardship. And the Torah says when someone is going through a hardship, we, we should not go and tell them, oh, it's a challenge, it's a test, it's a time, it's an opportunity to grow. No, that we say to ourselves. But when a person is being challenged and is in pain and is crying, we have to connect to our empathy, um, empathy button, and we have to feel for them, and we have to look at things in their eyes and their feelings and just hug them and cry with them. This is the biggest kindness a friend can do or a loved one can do to someone else. So far we have identified all these types of weeping. We have negative weeping in despair. We have the positive weeping of bereavement. And we have weeping as expression of intimacy. intimacy and we have the weeping in sympathy with another person's sorrow. And so Joseph's weeping does not fit any of these categories. It is an expression of profound compassion. The reason that Joseph cried was because he had mercy. He was full of mercy. And the second time Joseph weeps, the Torah states explicitly, Joseph made haste because he, his compassion for his brothers overwhelmed him and he felt a need to weep. 
like he saw the brothers and he felt so bad for them you know like these poor guys like they were put through this and they took this decision and look how they look and look where I am and, and he felt just bad for them and he entered the room and he wept because he couldn't like you know these guys that were everything like suddenly they're nothing like they're in my hand and that's why he wept so there's a very fine line between self-pity and real compassion we have to be careful we cannot have self-pity and tears of self-pity are passive and inherent when we cry because we feel victimized because we feel uh, that uh, that we're that we're not deserving that we're not good enough or they only serve to inflate the the, the ego you know the more we look we 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 cry for ourselves the bigger our ego becomes and the bigger the emotion becomes so it says um rabbi rabbi ginsburg says this egocentric tendency may become so powerful that it even causes the individual to turn against others by blame, blaming them for his misfortune so you see people that sometimes they're suffering i'm not saying they're not suffering they're going through a hardship but instead of looking within themselves and and seeing okay what does god want from me what need do i have to rectify here what character trait i have that has to need to be corrected they start blaming everybody else because it's easier to point fingers at other people you know it's my father's fault it was my mother's fault i was this i was that it was this teacher in third grade that ruined me it's easier to blame other people than to be responsible for one's uh, personal growth. So ultimately, self-pity can deteriorate into turning against the Almighty itself. And there's so many people that something goes wrong in life and they just go against, not other people, they go against Hashem. So true compassion motivates the individual to actively influence the situation in some way for the better, whether by offering assistance or through prayer, and and other things you know sometimes you want to help someone and you can't help them because they don't allow you to help them they, they 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 don't allow it's like i've said before you can take a horse to the river to drink water because he's thirsty but if the horse doesn't bend down and doesn't put the mouth in the water there's no way you can drink that water for them so what happens you can still have the compassion for that person you can still feel oh this poor person look how where his head is what can you do give some sedaka in their name do some tehillim in their name do some torah learning in their name maybe one merit one merit will open up the 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 the, the source of blessing for them so the rabbi ginsburg says that refining our feelings of sadness is one of the main topics that uh, the alter rebbe Rebbe Shneur Salman of Liadi uh, proposes in his Tanya, and he talks about two types of sadness. And one type of sadness, which we know as depression, uh, it's, it's known as atzvut, uh, it, it's distinguished because it's a negative sadness, it's, 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 a, it's, 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 it's black. It's like when a person can get up from bed, when a person doesn't want to do anything, when a person has just like no life within himself, like he could lie in bed all day and, and not do anything. This is a very bad feeling and we have to run away from it. The Rebbe Lubavitch used to say depression is not a sin, but depression can take you to sin. 
And then there's a positive sadness, which we, he relates as bitterness. And this one he calls merirus. And so there's a positive sadness, which is bitter. And just as the name says that it's bitter, it's like when you do something that is not right, and you get this feeling of, of anger, like bitterness, like how could I ever do that? How in the world did I ever say that to that person? How could I ever not do that? Or go and help someone I know I... And this feeling really is an incredible feeling because it purifies the heart and leads a person to repent and leads a person to action. So whenever you're feeling this way, like applaud and hug yourself because it's a great feeling. So paradoxically, this type of bitter sadness does not contradict our sense of joy as stated in the Zohar. So uh, the, the Zohar says, weeping is lodged in one side of my heart and joy is lodged in the other. The heart can bear these two contradictory emotions at once. As a result, the rectified individual can weep about his sorry state while simultaneously rejoice that God is always with him. So you can be sad, but you can never not be happy. You can be in pain, but you can choose not to suffer. And this is what it means. It, it's paradox. It can stand one next to the other. You can be experiencing the biggest happiness of your life. You're marrying a child under the hoopa with a beautiful uh, partner. And at the same time, you can be extremely sad because someone you love is dying or died. So these two things, can hold, the heart can hold both of them at the same time. And the realization that tears and joy reside together in our hearts bring us to a new and deeper understanding of our emotions. And, um, and this is important. It, this is important for people to understand. We're living in a time where emotions are very important. Everything's about the emotions right now. People are very emotional. And, they, and the way people are teaching their kids and educate, educating their kids, they're like very much in tune. What are you feeling? I understand you're sad. Doesn't mean you're not, you, you're not par parenting the child. You don't, you don't give them guidance and you don't give them discipline. But on the other hand, you acknowledge what they're going through and what they're feeling. So yeah, I can see you're very sad because I'm not giving you the lollipop before dinner. I can understand that that can be very upsetting to you because obviously the lollipop is delicious and the dinner doesn't taste like the lollipop. I get it. But on the other hand, you also need to be healthy and strong. So we need to eat the dinner before. So emotions are something that we should not uh, completely restrain. It's something that healthy emotions that are appropriate for the moment and the time should be encouraged to be let out. Obviously there's emotions that shouldn't be there uh, like emotions of despair and emotions of anger and emotions of this type of thing. Uh, we have to work on ourselves to be refined and to be able to control our emo certain types of our emotions. But expression uh, of, of, of our feelings is something that is very healthy. And today we see that, that the modern medicine is connecting very much disease to suppress emotions. So, so yeah, so we shouldn't make our life all about the emotions. We should be more active and doing, but on the other hand, we should not like put them in a closet, 
close it with a key and make make believe that they they don't exist and that they that we don't have these suppressed feelings we're locked away somewhere else we have to work through them and we have to to bring them out in a healthy way and be able to 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 deal with what we feel and grow from that and so we see here that the um, that the, the Zohar continues, although Joseph and Benjamin wept, the, 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 we see that they wept when they saw each other. Also, it was a prophetic weeping because they saw the destructions of the temples, they saw the destruction of the Mishkan, and this is the reason why, why they, they were weeping. And so the sages teach, just as Joseph appeased his brothers only by weeping, so too the Almighty will redeem the Jewish people by weeping, as the verse states, they will come weeping, and with supplications I will lead them. So yeah, sometimes we, we need to have a good cry. It's healthy. Uh, life is not easy. The world is upside down, and, um, and sometimes the world that we know doesn't exist anymore. That's a, that's a loss. We, we are bereaved. The, the, the joy of life, of going to a party and hugging everybody and, and being able to be in the street without a mask and, and be able to be around people without being scared, uh, is gone for now, for now. God willing, we are gonna be back to normal. But meanwhile, yes, there's a lot of, 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 of loss. At the same time, there has been a lot of gain. So may we, uh, deal with what we need to deal and may we always look straight and look up and look forward to the future and take the weeping and turn it into into tears of joy and i wish you a blessed week and remember live a little higher thank you <music>